Very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, but they were afraid. Our Father, you alone are worthy of our glory. And you, sir, are the author of life. Help us to grasp the enormity of the resurrection today. In Jesus' name, amen. That video we just watched was one of my favorite Easter videos. Uh, through the years, I've picked up several along the way, and we would show them on Easter Sunday morning to kind of get the church wound up before that. But, and, and there's the, the, these moments like this, you get to show it again. I love it. Christ has won. And that is the reason we rejoice today. That's the reason we worship. That's the reason we're here. I mean, if, if Christ had not won, none of these buildings which we meet in throughout the world would exist. The, the history would have been year, you know, 4082, whatever. But no, it starts B.C., A.D., the guy who split time in half. We now worship because He is risen. And it says, and, and, and I shared it in the little article I wrote in your bulletin this morning, in Matthew chapter, Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. It's probably the most familiar to me because it's the one that comes to my mind, but I love how the angel responds to them when they come to the tomb. And I'm just going to go back because it's that good. Verse 6, Matthew chapter 28. He is not here, for He is risen as He said. Come see the place where he lay. We see that now. Again, a different account. Each one of the Gospels has a little bit different detail about this. And some people try try to question what's going on because they aren't all identical. But I've read a lot of things about that. And and part of the authenticity that we have of the Scriptures is that within the Gospels, we get different details from everybody. They're honest accounts from what they remember happening. And in, in, I believe it's in the Gospel of John, we see that there were two angels. uh, That they were sitting outside the tomb. You know what? There may have been 50 angels there and they didn't even see them. What, What do we know? I wasn't there. And you know, they don't even know exactly what tomb he was in. They've guessed a few times, and there's different places within the Holy Land that they say this is, this is the, possibly the tomb where Jesus was laid. But they didn't hang around at the tomb when they found Jesus there. They went and told, they were, you know, they said here at the end of this passage, but they, they followed the, the directions that were given to them, and they went and they found Jesus. They didn't wait around just staring at the tomb. As a matter of fact, in, in this account, we see that the tomb was a place of fear. They were afraid to be there because he was gone. 
Now, um, we, we find, in, like I said in the Gospel of Matthew last week, that the, the, the guards had been paid off to say that the body was stolen. And all these different accounts and different pieces we get along the way. But what I want to focus on here, again, as Mark is pointing all the way, we see it in the Gospel of John this way too, is the fulfillment that we find in the Scriptures. He, Christ is fulfilled through the Psalms and the Prophets and even the Law. He is the one who has fulfilled the law. And he told them over and over it was going to happen. And I think a lot of times when we get this far into the story and we look at a passage like this, definitely on Easter Sunday, usually one of the resurrection accounts is preached on Easter Sunday. Every once in a while I I get stubborn and I stick to whatever book I'm in, you know, just because I know some people only show up on Easter Sunday and I want them to hear some other part of the Bible. I mean, the resurrection is important, but all of it's God's word. And so, uh, anyway, what, what we find is that uh, Jesus has been talking about this the whole time. But without the resurrection, we don't have the rest of this. And some people, people in history, major leaders in our nation's history, believed that the Scriptures end at Matthew chapter 27. At Jesus' crucifixion. That religion is just meant to be a set of moral laws to be followed. And it just makes our life better here on earth. And Jesus came as a good moral teacher. Well, if if that's your belief about it, what we find throughout the Gospels then is that that Jesus doesn't line up with the Jesus of the Gospels. Because the Jesus of the Gospel came to fulfill the law and offer life in his name. And so I want to look at these things, and, and we're going to go back in the Gospel of Mark just because we've been here. We're going to go through the whole book. This I'm just kidding. We're not going through the whole book. Um, but I want to turn back a few, few pages to Matthew, or Mark chapter 8 and see where this happened along the way. Verse 31. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. And they're not on the screen. You're going to have to find them yourself. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. <laughs> Yay, Peter. This, remember, this is right after, but, but for, for extras here, this is right after Jesus said, or Peter says, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. And now Peter is saying, that's not how we planned it. How does Jesus respond? He says, get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. When we start looking at something like the resurrection, we must realize that this is not something that man can do. We try over and over and over and over to make our lives longer, to make our lives better, to make it more comfortable, to turn on the heat in the middle of October because it gets cold, to find the blankets that now smell like the closet after being in there, or to make it things better, to repair injuries, to do things that try to make this life seem more fulfilling. The fact is, there is one who is the author of life. That is God. And that's what he's saying here. These are the things of God, not the things of man. We try to solve the problems ourselves. Jesus offers it through his life. 
But this isn't the only place he puts the, uh, he says something like this. He says it again. And in my Bible, it's on the next page. Chapter 9, verse 30. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. He says it again. Peter knew to keep his mouth shut this time, apparently. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. Well, after his response to Peter, who can blame them? Right? But there's a lot of confusion here because this is not part of their worldview. It's not how it works. And we must realize that for the masses out there, it's not how it works. This whole concept of the resurrection is absolutely foreign and frankly ludicrous. Because it's appointed man wants to die. It even says that in the Bible. The resurrection does not make any sense except by the hand of God. We can't make it happen. Our breaths, breaths here are numbered. But Jesus, he says, this is the way it's going to be. They didn't understand it. Why didn't they understand it? Because they had not seen it. One more spot, and you just got to turn the page, because it's chapter 10, verse 32. Well, that's handy, right? Just remember that. In Mark chapter 8, 9, and 10, if you go to verse 30, you're going to find out where Jesus talks about his death, burial, and resurrection. Can you work on that for me? Where did, where did Jesus predict these things? You can say like I do. I'm glad you asked. Mark chapter 8, 9, and 10, verses 30 and following, in all three chapters. And they were on the road, verse 32, going up to Jerusalem. So they were in Galilee before, now they're going to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Well, we didn't even get there. Now they're already afraid. And taking the twelve, again, he began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, that's his name for himself, it's the name of fulfillment we found in Daniel chapter 7, will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him, and spit on him, and flog him, and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Okay. Once, might seem an anomaly. Two, okay. Three, you better be paying attention. Okay. We're three different times, three different locations. We're looking at what Jesus says is going to happen to him. And remember, when we come to chapter 15... Actually, let me look back. I may be misquoting here. Right there. Chapter 14. Jesus says that he lays down his life on his own. Right? Um, so, we see that Jesus is constantly calling them to be reminded um, what, what's going on there? Let me see. I've got to find the spot there. I, I was working from memory there and lost it. Um, oh, well. It's in chapter 14. Happy hunting. Um, when we get to the place of Jesus' uh, crucifixion, there's still a lot of, ex uh, of confusion for his disciples. 
they gave up jobs. They left their families. They, they just followed this guy around as he was teaching and he was preaching and he was healing and he was ministering to the masses. And now this reaches this great climax and, and they see this place of worship just a week earlier where he enters the, the, the holy city on, on Palm Sunday and they worship him and the masses declare him as king. And then on Thursday night he's arrested and on Friday he's dead. On Saturday, as we talked about, we see eternal rest. We see the fulfillment that Jesus sets the example for us that we should trust him. Allison was talking about rest in our lives now. But really, there's no greater picture of faith in what God has said he will complete except in his rest. That's what we see Jesus do on Saturday. Now, on the third day. And that's the terminology. You know, some people say, it had to be three full days or it wouldn't have made sense. We have to understand that history hasn't used the same language the same way we do now. And we'll look at some of those things next week as well. Because Mark, the end of Mark 16 is fun. But um, when the Sabbath was passed, it says, and when the resting was over, they came back and to anoint him. Now, doesn't it say that Joseph came with spices? And we see in the Gospel of John, Nicodemus shows up with those, that they had already anointed him. Well, there's a lot of things that people try to do, and they try to make it better than it was before. So here come the ladies to clean up the mess the men left. That's the way it works sometimes. So that they might go and anoint him. And their question, their question was, how are we going to move the rock? Guys, we have this huge rock in our lives. It's called sin. I can't move it. I was talking about that with our class this morning, with our, our teenagers and uh, our youth group. We, we can try to number our sins, but we're never going to remember all of them. And that's why it says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is a gift of God. It's not something that you can earn by your own works. You cannot earn salvation. And just like we can't move the rock of sin in our lives, especially these ladies knew that there was a problem before them. And that rock could not be moved by them. How are we going to move the rock? When they got there, it had already been done. And when we come to Jesus, we definitely see his greatness and his glory and his holiness. And we want to say, Jesus, you're worthy of our worship. But guess what's still there? That rock. That sin. That, and not, not in the sense of the rock of faith, but the, that, that immovable object. But when we come before Jesus, we must realize that the stone has already been rolled away. And he calls us to look at where he was, to see him risen, and to believe. And that's the challenge that's put before us here. What does this young man say? We see him called an angel in other places. They saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. Uh, that picture that you see up there, I like, uh, I, didn't, I should have put the, the plain picture before I put the words in front of it. But you see that that rock is not perfectly round. I think that probably is a more honest picture of, of what was happening, right? 
they moved it into place to, to keep the, the body protected from the elements of you know animals and all these other things going on. And to get it out of place was going to take a lot of work, right? It was already done. And there was the angel sitting there, the young man sitting on the right side. The right side can, can symbolize the hand of power, the hand of authority. He's come from the Lord himself. And they were alarmed. Now, I think I would have been too. If we're going to be honest about it. They said to him, and he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth. This is the only place that we see Jesus named as this in the resurrection accounts. They knew who they were looking for. The angel knew who they were looking for. Jesus of Nazareth was something that he was identified as throughout his ministry. Remember what can good can come from Nazareth? What uh, is it Philip or Nathaniel that says it? And they get, thank you, Nathaniel. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, and the in the Gospel of John, I got my got my editor back there. Um, he says, "What good can come from Nazareth?" It was obvious that Jesus was from a small, do nothing town. I know that feeling. Okay, I am myself from a small, do nothing town, named after a game show. I know it's weird, but. What good can come from Truth or Consequences, New Mexico? I'm still not sure. But I know what good can come from Jesus of Nazareth. From Nazareth. And that is our salvation. Jesus, who was crucified, he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. They, there was historical documented evidence of where he was. And then they bolt. But go tell his disciples and Peter. That's interesting that it says and Peter here. That's one of the reminders that we get about the Gospel of Mark. Mark is told from the perspective of Peter, generally. So we see that reminder there. That he is going before you to Galilee. And we see that fulfillment come in Acts. All right? Then there you will see him just as he told you. He went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, during Jesus' resurrection account, you go to the Gospel of Luke, you see him talk to a couple of guys on the road to Emmaus. Um, and in John, you see him speak to the disciples, and that's when Thomas says, I, w- I want to see his scars and touch his scars. All these different things along the way. Jesus, in order to rise, had no need to move the stone. Who needed the stone moved? We did, so that we could see the place where he laid. It is because he moves the stone that we can see him. We see in the Gospel of Luke also that he appeared between the, before the disciples in, in a room, in the locked door. And then what does he say to them there? Anybody remember? Peace be with you. <laughs> I can see why they would be a little wound up when their their master just shows up. Special effects, right? That's, that's something crazy going on there. No, it's different. That's the thing is that we must realize that God is the author of all creation, has authority over all the elements of creation. That's how we get the Immaculate Conception. That's why we see the resurrection. And that's how Jesus shows us himself in our lives today. The cross has been conquered. There's nobody on that cross up there. 
Jesus has paid the penalty and His resurrection offers us the hope of forgiveness and eternal life. If He just died on the cross, it would just have been another man preaching another good moral code that might have been confusing along the way who did some things that we didn't understand. But because of His resurrection, it brings us into understanding of this this man is different. And all of these other resurrection accounts, you see it with Lazarus, you see it with Elisha in the Old Testament, you see all these different ways he raised a couple of people from the dead in, in, during his ministry. All of them, once again, went back into the ground. We don't have an account that they lived forever. Jesus ascended. We're going to look at that next week and look at his great commission, what he's called us to do because of the resurrection. And we make it cliche But we need to understand one thing that's got to remind us why we are here today. The resurrection changes everything. Without the resurrection, we are just like the disciples on Saturday. Wondering what's next. And hoping that we can be good enough to appease the Almighty. Well, the great grief and the great hope at once is we can never be good enough on our own. But Jesus, because he pays the price and because he rose from the dead, offers us hope, real, firm hope to understand that there is more than this life. There is more to this life, but there is more than this life. When we trust in him, we can have eternal life, just like he does here. And that picture of his death is where we are now. The wage of sin is death. But the gift of God, the gift that is Jesus, is eternal life through Christ our Lord. When we believe in him and call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. What does it mean to be saved? That means that we are not without hope. That means that we are now rescued from the eternal damnation that is a life separated from Him forever in hell. When we trust in Christ as our Savior, He offers us forgiveness and the hope of eternal life with Him. Hell is not a comfortable topic to talk about and our world doesn't think it needs to be talked about because they don't want to deal with it. But if we look at the biblical worldview, we cannot escape it. We can't escape it. We can't escape the topic. (laughs) Jesus is our salvation. And it's because of what we just read right there. When they showed up on Sunday morning, the tomb was empty. The stone had been rolled away. Christ had won. And he did all these things just as he told them. It was the plan from eternity's past that our sins would be paid for on the cross. And the righteous then shall live by faith, by their trust in Him. So I ask you today, what do you believe about this day? Because that's what it all comes down to. Do you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? Because that's how you have eternal life. Our Father, you are good. 
I thank you for your eternal plan of salvation. I thank you for drawing us close to you by your word, by your truth. Lord, change us that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds by your Holy Spirit to recognize the gift you give us in salvation because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Pray that you would give boldness and grace to those who would uh, have, have the need to trust in you to receive you as Savior today. For those who have known you for decades, I pray that you, you grant grace in this moment to be refreshed in your resurrection, in your love. Help us to bless you now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.